Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, June 13th. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be talking the big travel news as always, and finally the news that the industry has been waiting months and months for. But joining me on the show now is Mark Chestnut, Travel Pulse contributor and writer with other North Star travel media brands, and also the author of a new memoir, Prepare for Departures. Welcome to the show, Mark. Happy Pride Month. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be back on the podcast again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Mark was on the show of uh, springtime of 2021. Yeah, we were at WTTC's Global Summit there in Cancun. It was like the first real, you know, sign of travel coming back a little bit there as we had the first global conference post-pandemic and how things have changed drastically since then. So a lot to talk about today. And Mark and I are going to dive into Pride Month and the latest in LGBTQ travel as Mark has a staying on top of all that news as well for us here at um, North Star Travel Brands too. So, But before we jump into that, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening, Let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with that big news that I teased that if you haven't heard by now, I, you might have been just super busy and away from any sort of communication device at all over the weekend. But the best news the travel industry has received in quite some time, the United States will lift the coronavirus. It's already lifted. It happened uh, Sunday night. So it was officially went into effect. You no longer need to have that pre-departure test if you're coming back into the United States, if you're American or if you're a, a foreign traveler and you're wanting to come visit the United States, you don't have to have that COVID-19 test within within a day anymore. That has been dropped. So we're finally matching what is happening elsewhere around the world. So the, the travel industry rejoiced in several ways on that. And I did want to read a quote um, from a former guest of the show in the podcast, uh, Stephen Scott. He's the CEO of Travel Hub 365 and the Odyssey Travel app. And his comment on that that he told us... Quote, this will be a fantastic change for domestic travel businesses so that they can increase consumer confidence to travel to the United States. And for U.S. travelers, this is fantastic because it's a major uncertainty on where you'll be able to get a test prior uh, to the end of your trip to come back home. It's a stress that was stopping consumers from even wanting to travel outside the country. End quote. Now we don't have to worry about that. So, Mark, this is absolutely massive news for the industry, as I said, you know, as we look to recover a uh, big win for travel agents and advisors too, but airlines and airports might become overwhelmed this summer as they deal with staffing issues and a lot more people are about to uh, hit the travel airwaves, if you will. And uh, also some destinations out there, I think are going to benefit quicker than others following this news. So your thoughts on all this? Yeah. As someone who's had my nose, my nostrils swabbed yeah. so many times, dozens of times over the past two years, I think it's spectacular news for the travel industry and a big headache lifted off the shoulders of travelers. The pent-up demand had already been fueling the return of travel, and this is really going to give it a huge push forward, I think. It's definitely going to boost international arrivals to the United States, so that's good news for the U.S. Uh, travel and tourism industries. And it will also make, I think, some U.S. travelers who are hesitant about leaving the country because of the hassle of testing, they may be more likely to, to travel internationally. I think that's true. But yes, I agree with you that the positive surge that can come from this could also bring some negative complications in, in some or in many cases, because we already have a problem with greater demand um, causing more flight cancellations, driving up airfares and hotel rates. That could all continue even more. Um, I personally am thrilled that I don't have to go through testing every single time I travel internationally now, but I am concerned about rising demand and the rising prices. And, you know, I wonder, they keep talking about how people are putting up with um, increase the, the rise in hotel rates and all also in airfares. I just wonder how much longer travelers will tolerate that, especially given the fact that we're also dealing with soaring inflation. So there's a lot of complicated issues to consider here. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Ever since the really springtime, early springtime, they kind of made a, a shift in, you know, consumer behavior as far as what was the biggest concern for travel right now. And it was really that whole testing thing. And uh, COVID, uh, COVID-19 has kind of gone away from that. And really it was, it all turned into the pricing and the cost of everything. So that is still a big focal point, but the demand is there. So people are still going to continue to go. You know, we talked about this on my show, on the show last week on the inflation's impact of the industry. People are still going to go. So it's going to be a very interesting summer. If you have not booked any sort of travel at all for, you know, the summer or fall or, or winter time, I would say book now before things get really crazy. That was the theme of my uh, Bowman's travel brief column up on travelpulse.com. Check that out and really just hop on the hop on the booking train, you know, work with a travel advisor. They're going to be able to advise you to it, certain destinations are going to be, you know, busier than others. I think like Mexico, Marcus as a Mexico travel specialist here, and you've been to Mexico a ton of times since the pandemic the lockdown stopped, if you will, since travel started to open back up. And I think Mexico is, I mean, it's already been kind of crushing it in the tourism scene. And I think it's only going to get even bigger and better with um, this rule now. I mean, all inclusives kind of stayed on top of making sure that you had the on-site testing. But now that people can don't have to do that and it, you know, subsides their fears a little bit, I think it's going to even uh, get even higher as far as tourism numbers for Mexico. I think, yeah, I think Mexico's going to continue to be very happy with the numbers. And and I think a lot of other countries are going to see some some really impressive visitor numbers as well in the coming weeks and months. Absolutely. Yeah, Europe should be good too. I did want to know, you know, both Roger Dow of the U.S. Travel Association and Zane Kirby of American Society of Travel Advisors asked, a, you know, they commended Biden, the Biden administration for finally getting this done. Uh, both U.S. Travel Association and ASTA were very, uh, key advocates in pressuring the White House to get this removed. And while I get why it was included in their official statements of saying we commend the Biden administration, you know, it, it is kind of a change of tone of what they had been saying. You know, just last week it was at IPW and Dow said that they were getting aggressive with the pressure to get this rule removed. And, you know, I'm thankful it's gone now, but I don't necessarily commend the Biden administration here. And I think it's because it should have been removed a while ago. So I, I get that that's more of a, you know, a, a positive, you know, quote thing that you kind of have to say for them or whatever. But for me personally, no, I don't commend them at all. This should have been done sooner in my take, you know, and I would say that uh, no matter who's sitting in the, the Oval Office right there. So you had people flying literally into Mexico to cross the border in order to skip out on having to take that test. So that shouldn't have been happening. That was American dollars that we were missing out on. So you know, I'm thrilled it's been removed. I think it's going to help the industry recover. So uh, weeks ago, we did had economists were coming out and saying that their bold prediction, their big predictions is we're not going to have a full recovery until 2024 or 2025. So I think summer is going to exceed expectations. So come January 2023, maybe those economists are going to have to rework all their projections and predictions. So heck, they might even start reworking them now just because of this rule has changed things. So uh, also at IPW last week, Dow was saying that the United States could gain an additional 5.4 million visitors and $9 billion in spending by the end of 2022 if that testing requirement were removed. And he said that out on like Tuesday and then here, you know, Friday, the, the rule was dropped. So that's huge for U.S. travel and tourism and, and the many businesses in the industry here. Yeah. And the timing really is interesting since the announcement came right after the end of, of this year's IPW convention. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure there's a there's a lot of cel- celebration going on within the U.S. Uh, tourism industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Travel spending is is a big focal point for a lot of people right now as we get into what's going to be a very busy summer. And so the new uh, data on that international travel could actually be cheaper than domestic travel. This, according to data from Hopper. Then they're saying one reason for European travel becoming cheaper is that the American dollar has appreciated, getting closer to the value of the euro, which means things aren't as expensive as they used to be. And American travelers can stretch their dollars 15% further than last summer and 6% 
further than the summer of 2019 due to this appreciation. And they listed some destinations that uh, the cheapest fares in Europe include Croatia, Portugal, Ireland, and Greece, as far as uh, the top ones right now at the moment. So there was also a new data released too from uh, Policy IQ, and uh, they did a comparison of that made uh, Americans' consumers' visits to dining, retail, and travel-related venues along with how much they spent at these locations in April 21 versus April 2022. And spending is down as people focus on the prices, as we've been kind of talking about, but that the demand is still there. So we know inflation's impact has been big on the industry, and it's all about maximizing the most dollar, getting the most for your dollar these days, right? So, so Mark, where do you think uh, travelers can get the most bang for their buck these days? Well, I think it's always been smart to be flexible and to shop around if you want the best travel deals, but I think that's even more important now. And I say this based on personal experience and also on, you know, industry figures and the many interviews that I do with travel advisors throughout the years and they're really true experts on the trends that affect travel, of course. So when you're looking at, for example, the fact that international travel can be often cheaper than domestic travel nowadays. If, if you have to pay $550 to fly from Chicago to Knoxville, Tennessee, but you can get a $250 airfare from Chicago to Panama City, Panama, it's, it seems nonsensical in a way, and it can be infuriating or frustrating to travelers and also to their travel advisors because there have been such crazy surges in hotel rates and airfare. So I think to get good deals, you have to cast a wide net whenever possible. And as your report in Travel Pulse said, you may be able to get great deals uh, still in some European and Latin American destinations like Portugal, Croatia, some parts of Mexico. But I think more than focusing on a specific destination, it may be even more helpful if you really want the good deals and want to avoid these horrible price hikes. If you compare multiple destinations, even multiple regions, and also be flexible, maybe open-minded in terms of your travel dates and timing. Uh, you may have one specific dream destination on your wish list, but right now, this may be the time when you might end up having to be so pleasantly surprised about the fact that you can go somewhere else cheaper that you're also going to love. So flexibility is definitely key. Yeah. And, and, Travelers out there are going to also have to watch for hotel prices, too, as hotel revenue per available room is expected to top pre-pandemic totals this year. Occupancy for 2022 is not is going to is projected to come under the pre-pandemic numbers, but average daily rates forecasted to be $14 higher than 2019 and the revenue per available room is $6 higher than 2019. So we're seeing higher hotel costs out there. So if you can find yourself a savvy deal, you know, to a destination, maybe it's a last minute one or maybe you you know, you find something on Google Flights or Scott's Cheap Flights or Skyscanner or any of those services out there, you know, be a little spontaneous too in, in that flexibility of, of like, hey, you know, I can take off next week or I can work remotely anywhere. If you're one of those, you know, fantastic people out there or has that luxury of having that uh, fantastic job um, description, then, you know, be flexible and, and venture out there and try to, you know, work somewhere else in a uh, addition to maybe tacking on a bit of a vacation um, onto that. So I think also you know, most bang for their buck, you know, I, I've always thought Mexico has got a good bang for their buck. You know, it's, it's nice to see, you know, uh, the American dollar doing better to get a little more bang for your buck in Europe for sure. But I've always thought Mexico is, is a great destination to get a lot of bang for your buck. Right. And the good, the great thing about Mexico, one of the great things about Mexico is it's not just one destination. You know, there are multiple destinations. So if you're interested in a beach, well, there's five or 10 or 15 different types of beach destinations, depending on what kind of experience you want. If you want a, a historic city or a sophisticated big city experience, you know, the, the great thing about a destination like Mexico is it is close um, it's easy to get to, and it is relatively inexpensive compared to a lot of places. So it is, it's, I think it's going to always be a good value destination. 
definitely. And one other aspect of travel I think is getting a lot of bang for your buck these days is cruising. You know, the prices there are not what you're seeing compared to, you know, some of the crazy airfare prices. If you're trying to book, you know, three months out right now, some of it is pretty nuts. Or even if you are trying to do a last minute one, if you don't have a sort of deal and you're set in a certain destination that you have to fly to, that price is going to be a lot higher. But cruise wise, you can get a lot of bang for your buck these days and a lot of value, especially because, you know, you only unpack once and you're on your ship and then you can hit multiple destinations on that. So that's another aspect of a good bang for your buck vacation type um, and potentially budget stuff if you're savvy enough and you, and you work with a, a travel advisor to be able to secure a good deal on that front. So speaking of cruises, though, some cruise news we have. Royal Caribbean is looking to partner with Elon Musk for the Starlink stuff for uh, the, for Wi-Fi. So Mark, Wi-Fi and cruise ships has kind of been hit or miss. Uh, so this could be a, a game changer here. What, what do you think about this? I agree. I think this could be a game changer because you know, we all know this. We live in a world where we're used to being connected almost all the time, basically all of our waking hours. And that's especially so and increasingly so when we travel, because so many people now like to a stay in touch with their friends and family. But also, more importantly, perhaps, is they a lot of people want to post their experiences on social media right as it's happening, right as they're experiencing it. So I think reliable Wi-Fi on cruise ships will be a game changer. It's also a very smart move by Royal Caribbean because if they can give you reliable Wi-Fi, that means more of their passengers are going to be posting and sharing photos and videos uh, of the of their cruises, which is basically the equivalent of producing free marketing material for the company. So it's, it's really smart on a lot of fronts. I agree. Yeah. And the company said in its filing uh, for this for the FCC, they said, we believe our work with SpaceX, the first of its kind in the cruise industry, will set the standard for other cruise operators and will mean a leap in terms of guest experience and business operations while at sea, end quote. And that is hits the nail on the head there. If you're going to get, you know, fast internet and reliable internet that to, to the point where the consumer can say, yeah, I went on this cruise, the Wi-Fi was great. I could post all in real time. I could do my business emails. I could, you know, call my mom or whatever, any of that stuff. You're, that's going to spread very, very fast among consumers and their friends and maybe convince people that have never cruised before to go, well, okay, well, yeah, let me do that. I can still do my work or I can, you know, still access my family and I could still post on social media or whatever. So this is huge. And I really hope that, you know, it, it goes through and kind of sets a, a shift in the, the industry of, of the cruising side of things, just because Wi-Fi has definitely been hit or miss on a lot of ships out there. So fingers crossed for that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And other uh, news, we, we jump over to air travel news. Southwest is launching a sweepstakes celebrating its 51st birthday and the second ever want to get away day by offering customers daily sweepstakes opportunities during the week long countdown to its official birthday on June 18th. So you can check out more for the on the contest details over at travelpulse.com. But the big prize is the highly coveted promotional companion pass, which will be awarded on June 18th. So if you're lovers of Southwest out there, make sure you want to check that out. We've got the details up on the website. But the big air and travel news right now is this whole continued debacle and situation going on with JetBlue, Spirit, and Frontier. Spirit was actually supposed to vote last Friday about uh, what they were going to do. But then that got delayed to June 30th now. And just the other day, J.P. Morgan Chase analysts, uh, financial analysts, are saying the JetBlue Spirit merger is actually a growing possibility. So who knows which way this is going to go? Mark, what what do you make of this whole ordeal? And and which way do you think Spirit should go? Should they pick Frontier or should they go with JetBlue? Well, I guess it depends if I speak as a travel journalist or a business observer or as a traveler who's annoyed with rising airfares and decreasing competition. So let's look at it this way. Competition is good. It's good for consumers. 
airport airfares right now are soaring. The demand is super high. Capacity is not up what it sh- up to what it should be. So I'm nervous about any airline merger. Merger companies need to be financially healthy and to strengthen their market share and bottom line. I totally get that. So I can understand why there is an urge to merge. But let's look at what the effects could be. JetBlue is already partnering with American Airlines. Both Spirit and Frontier are smaller than JetBlue. So essentially, if we are talking about a merger having to occur, I think it could be better for the consumer to see two smaller low-cost airlines merge rather than one low-cost airline merging with a larger carrier the carrier that already has a big partnership with an even bigger carrier, the largest carrier in the world, actually. So that's that's just my opinion. So who knows how it'll go. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I, I was very surprised. Uh, and one of my colleagues was telling me that I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was that they got uh, pushed back from the June 10th um, date on the on the, the vote thing. But yeah, it, this right here is just it's crazy ongoing and like there's a lot of back and forth between all of them and uh, well mostly for Jet JetBlue really but Frontier has said a few things but not not a whole lot lately I think they're just kind of stuck in waiting mode and they're like this is what we can do is our best offer you know take take it or, or leave it and you got JetBlue actually is like uh, doing some email marketing to all the Spirit shareholders and like going above and beyond and trying to make sure that they reach Spirit shareholders and getting their pitch out in front of everybody on why they're going to be best so. I think they, and I've said this a few times now, and most people I talk to, really, they say it should be Spirit Frontier should, should join together and not JetBlue. But if you think otherwise, let me know. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email to reach. That wraps up what is trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, hit me up on the email. So we're going to jump over to the theme of this week's show around LGBTQ travel and Pride Month and everything. So, Mark, the LGBTQ community accounts for an estimated $3.9 trillion in purchasing power each year. And I don't think a lot of people knew that, that how how um, strong that market is. It's a huge market. And I think more people should be tapping into, more people should be learning about. So, Mark, can you tell us, you know, you did a great report on this. I want you to dive a little deeper, too. What are some of the vacations that are trending in LGBTQ travel this summer and beyond? Well, yeah, I'm doing the report for you that ran, I think it was just last week, right? It, it yeah. published on TravelPulse.com. Um, yeah, it gave me a good chance to kind of just up, get myself up to date and readers up to date on, on what's happening, what's hot for LGBTQ travel. So um, tra- LGBTQ travelers are definitely hankering to get back on the road and back in the air, just like everybody else, and they are doing so. So in the United States, I think a lot of the longtime favorites are continuing to be popular. So places like San Francisco, New York City, Los Angeles, Fort Lauderdale, and also the always popular smaller destinations like Provincetown, Palm Springs, and Key West. But what's really cool is that greater acceptance overall in the world and in the United States in particular has made a lot of other destinations show off their LGBTQ friendliness. And I think that's helped even more travelers in this segment to consider and enjoy vacations in places they might not have been at the top of their list in the past. And they may be drive destinations even, they may be closer by. So you can attend a super fun pride celebration in Columbus, Ohio, for example, or go to smaller, really beautiful destinations with LGBTQ friendly wineries or go camping in the wilderness. The LGBTQ market is really showing its diverse interests in many ways. And you wanna know a little bit more about international trends too, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah, so I think internationally, 
LGBTQ travelers have continued to show places like Puerto, R- or Puerto Vallarta a lot of love. And during the pandemic, obviously, Puerto Vallarta was one of the few international destinations that's big on the LGBTQ travel map that was still open and accessible. Um, but Puerto Rico also has remained open throughout the pandemic and is, is an easy and fun and super friendly getaway. And Los Cabos, for example, in Mexico was just certified by queer destinations for its welcoming atmosphere. So there's a lot of growth there. Um, but now that the world is more open, LGBTQ travelers are headed back to other welcoming places in Canada, in Europe, places like the United Kingdom, France and Italy. They're going to Israel, which is super welcoming, and also to other parts of the Caribbean and Latin America. So um, based on what, I, what I've been researching, Colombia, Argentina, and Uruguay are among some of the hot spots in Latin America. And in Colombia, for example, very, very cool that I just heard about, the W Bogota Hotel has partnered with MAC Cosmetics to, de- de- to debut its first ever Pride Week for Pride Month. And that includes a bunch of really fun amenities and activities. And it sounds so cool that it makes me wish I could visit. Right. Yeah. I mean, with Pride Month and everything that it's, it's June is Pride Month for anyone who was not aware before this, but it's also goes beyond like the celebrations really go beyond June and everything, right? It's, it's kind of throughout the year. And I think that's a, a huge thing uh, for the, the LGBTQ travel scene that it's not that people shouldn't just focus strictly on June. June is great. There's a lot of great events. I, you were posting great stuff uh, over your um, in, in NYC, the few different parades that you were going to and, and everything, but it, it goes beyond June, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there and pride is traditionally June is, is pride month, but a lot of destinations. So they, there is not overlap, you know, destinations that are too close to one another. They don't want to schedule, you know, you don't want to have the same uh, of the same date for your pride celebration in Chicago as in Milwaukee, for example. So so it is staggered out throughout the month of June, but also throughout the year, because Fort Lauderdale, for example, has its uh, pride of the Americas pride celebration, which um, is at the beginning of 2023. So there's still plenty of time to plan for that. London has one that's coming up uh, that's not in June also. So yeah, there are opportunities to to be proud to celebrate pride in a lot of the destinations, not just this month. That's great. But when it comes to the industry as a whole, you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how, how do you think travel industry suppliers out there can improve when it comes to LGBTQ travel? Because we've seen some that are, are making progress with that, but as the industry as a whole, where do you think there is room for improvement? Well, in general, I think the industry really has upped its game when it comes to serving and, and targeting LGBTQ travelers over the past few years, because I've been writing about this market for like 20 years or so. So I've seen great change. And it's so wonderful to see hoteliers are better with their employee training and awareness. Destinations recognize the value of the market more and more, and they're publicizing their welcoming attitudes and including it. So that's all great. And I applaud it. I think an important step now is that destinations and suppliers need to continue to increase their inclusion of the LGBTQ segment in their marketing and outreach. So they also should be building more relationships with local LGBTQ businesses and events, wherever that might be, such as such as pride events, like we've discussed, to make sure that they're maximizing the potential and really networking. Um, but they also need to be realistic and understand the potential of whatever it is they're selling, whether it's a destination or a hotel, because not every destination is going to be the next San Francisco or Puerto Vallarta. For example, I recently spoke with some industry folks who are aiming to make a beautiful beach destination I know um, into the next LGBTQ vacation hotspot. The hotels are wonderful and friendly, and so is the tourism board, but that particular destination has no gay beach, It only has one LGBTQ bar. It has a a tiny pride event and no LGBTQ neighborhood. So a destination like that has to be realistic and realize it's never going to be the next part of Iarta, but they can be a great 
vacation destination for LGBTQ romance travel, like couples, also for destination weddings. So destinations and suppliers, I think right now, they need to go beyond using a broad brush when they're stroking their portrait of how they want to be for the LGBTQ community and really target the niches within the niche that best work for them. That's great. Yeah, get specific on that too. Cause, and there are sadly, unfortunately, places that aren't as welcoming too. So those destinations really need to step up their game and be more welcoming and more inclusive for that, for this sector particularly. Right. The ones that aren't obviously are, are missing out on a lot of potential revenue. And, and, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of destinations that don't, that don't actively market to, to LGBTQ as LGBTQ travelers. And perhaps a lot of people in those particular destinations don't want those travelers. And so that's fine. That's their decision. That's their decision. I don't, it's not the most inclusive or open-minded way to be, but ultimately their bottom line is not going to be as good as a result. Definitely, yeah, and we've we've seen that there's purchase there's strong purchasing power with uh, the LGBTQ scene, and with that, I want to ask your advice. You know, we have a lot of travel advisors listening right now, so when it comes to selling LGBTQ travel or breaking into selling that uh, market, there, do you have any advice on how they could uh, obtain that, increase their sales? Yes, and one thing I need to say is is the travel advisors who are listening out there, so many of you are already leading the way in terms of the LGBTQ market. I've been so impressed over the past decades and the, the, past few, the past few years, especially to see how many advisors really have gotten to know the market and they've grown their, their, their sales within that market exponentially. So that's amazing. For anyone who's getting to look, looking to get more into this niche, however, I'd say definitely look for educational opportunities. So workshops, also there are a lot of consortia out there that can now provide educational resources. So I think that kind of support is super helpful. Also um, networking, attending LGBTQ travel events or community events in the city where you're based or the town. It's another great way to both learn and also to make really valuable connections that can help you as you grow in that in that market segment. Um, contact local LGBTQ businesses where you're located. There's a lot of potential synergy out there, a lot of opportunities. So I'd, I'd say, you know, education and networking and support are really important. All absolutely needed for the industry. And uh, I think great advice um, for our listeners out there. So as we wrap up the show here, I do want to talk about your new book, you are a new author and you're already jumping high up on the Amazon charts there, which is fantastic coming out. And uh, so prepare for new departures. This is your story, your life story a little bit and kind of your career as a travel journalist and, and growing up and going to airport. Tell us more about it, man. Yeah, well, the, the full title of my book says a lot about it. It's called Prepare for Departure, Notes on a Single Mother, a Misfit Son, Inevitable Mortality, and the Enduring Allure of Frequent Flyer Miles. So um, it's basically a memoir about my life with my mother and our, and our final months together before she passed away. But it's really a universal story about family relationships, loss, and forgiveness. But as you can tell from the title and as you can tell from, from our conversations and what we do for a living, Anyone who's into travel like we are can relate to the travel angle of the book because the book also shows the transformative power of travel and how you can find yourself as you follow your passions and explore the world. And that's regardless of your age or your background. So it's it's also about my lifelong passion for travel and how I used to steal things from airport and airports and pretend I was a flight attendant on abandoned school buses when I was like 13 years old. So it's a story that resonates on multiple levels. And one of those is about how travel can really be transformative and can be a passion that can fuel and, and enhance your life. Like it has for a lot of us who are, who are listening to the podcast, probably. 
Absolutely. That that's great. Yeah, it's a great grade. And I gotta ask, you know, are you, you know, pie in the sky here, big dream? You know, are you you wanting movie out of this or or you know, Broadway play or musical? If you well, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, you know, or both. Well, Obviously, would, both would be great. But if you had exactly, to choose one or the other, is what I should preface right. that. As, I would yeah. take anything. A musical would be fun. But yeah, you know what? I've been thinking like obviously this is just fantasizing. But there are so many streaming limited series on now, and it seems okay. like they're desperate for you know new content and new ideas for streaming series. So I was thinking maybe a streaming series would be good because also then it doesn't need to be considered a blockbuster to be considered successful because I don't know that anything related to anything I've done would be a blockbuster. But maybe I'd be maybe a streaming series would be really good. So any networks out there, just give me a give me a call. Absolutely, yeah. Interesting spin on that. I would, I, yeah. I went movie because it's you know big pie in the sky, and then Broadway as well was first. You know which one if you could do one or the other. But I like that idea. A little six part miniseries, right. HBO or Netflix or Prime, all the good ones. Apple out there, they're they're exactly. totally listening right now. Absolutely, yeah. So There's a lot um, of possibilities. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> tell people where they can uh, find the book and where they can re- get in touch with you or follow you on your social medias. Anything you want to plug, take it away. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, Prepare for, Prepare for Departure is the name of the book, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, basically all of the big um, sales platforms. It's available for pre-sale right now. The publication date is July 26th. So if you order right now, then you will automatically receive it um, either in ebook form or in print as a paperback right on the date, of, the date of publication next month, I believe. So you'll have a nice surprise in your inbox or in your mailbox then. So you can order it anytime. Um, you can always contact me on uh, on, on Instagram, I guess is an easier way, Mundera, that's M-U-N-D-E-R-A. So feel free to follow me, follow my travels there. I share travel tips there. And if you if you have any questions about the book, you can feel free to contact me there. But thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on again. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it as well for you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk LGBTQ travel with us and the top travel trends and news stories of the last week. So that wraps up our show here this week. If you've been listening, leave a review wherever you listen. I would greatly appreciate it. Or, you know, drop me an email. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week.